You are listening to Bellarmine Forum Podcast, Episode 14, Brayboof Academy and Detent with the Devil, otherwise known as Humility in the Month of Pride. With your guest today, John Dijak, and your host, John B. Manos. What's that? Do you hear that? Sounds like we got a message coming down the wire. Hold on tight. The aim of Catholic education is to prepare for eternal life. Do you agree with that? That should be, that is, the divinely ordained purpose of Catholic education, to prepare people for eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for pray us. Pray uh, Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Pray for, have mercy on us. <laughs> I threw you off with that one. So, with all this stuff happening in the church today, and you've already heard them, uh, folks, we've got fun. Many of you have asked, when's DJ coming back, and guess who's on the phone today? So... We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about the problems in the church, the the temptations to despondency based on what you see happening with bad news, and how do you keep your sanity and your spiritual life in the midst of so much confusion. Um, but I'm just going to start off with uh, with a with a quick. Let's just jump right into it. And and so you have a Franciscan, a Dominican, and a Jesuit, and they're walking out in the fields. And uh, they're they're debating which is the the best of the orders, and all of a sudden the Holy Family appears in front of them. The Franciscan, immediately recognizing, falls to the ground on his face and adores the the image of of the Holy Family. The Dominican falls to his knees, praises God's wisdom for the incarnation. The Jesuit walks up to Saint Joseph, puts his arm around him, and says, "Have you considered where he's going to go to school yet?" <laughs> that, that, that's fairly accurate. <laughs> Recently, you know, well, we have the I, I, John and I both went to Jesuit schools, so it's a it's a joke that hits home. And uh, we went to rival uh, Jesuit academies at that, uh, both being in Ohio, and uh, of course, everybody knows that Saint Xavier in Cincinnati. Having been founded before St. Ignatius in Cleveland, it's the better of the two schools. Well, you did steal our alma mater because of the lack of creativity that the guys down south have. But regardless, <laughs> it's okay. Now, for the audience's <laughs> sake, I went there in the very late 80s. And, and at that time, um, the Wanderer would report on a group at St. X called PFLAG. PFLAG was this Parents for Lesbian and Gay Students. Um, there was always kind of this little bit of thing when I went there regarding uh, rumors that the theater teachers were lesbians and stuff like that. And it was just a, a part of the academic life. You know, I was over doing math and chemistry, and I didn't really worry too much about what happened over there as long as nobody bugged me when we were playing euchre at the lunch table. Um, it's been there. It's been this thing, but it all came to kind of a head recently with news in Indianapolis that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but there was a teacher that came out as openly gay. The school stood, the diocese said, hey, there's a problem here. You're going to have to fix the problem. And the school said, no, we're not going to do it. Uh, I mean, when people hear that thing, and, you know, there's a, there's a, meanwhile, Cardinal Dolan is, uh, he has a radio show once a week. I happen to catch part of it, and he's telling people, "Look, Catholic uh, ac- academies are going away because parents won't send their students there." Right. I, I have a lot of sympathy for parents that look at this, both from the problems uh, our parents faced, where the subpar catechesis and not teaching the faith the way it's meant to be, or even today, <laughs> where if children go. Uh, they're going to be exposed to kind of some sort of layer of communist uh, uh, workforce training 
as Stephanie Block has brought up through the years. You know, the Catholic schools were the beginning of that. Not to mention uh, statements like, oh, the Blessed Sacrament is just a symbol of community. All of these things that militate against proper Catholic formation, which I know is a subject dear to your heart because you do this day in and day out and work on forming young Catholics. But do you see this play out with this fear from parents where, what are you teaching my kids? You've, you've got to see that every day. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Indianapolis situation is very interesting. And what's not reported is the actual, you know, um, for lack of a better term, patience and charity with which the hierarchy deals with these things. You know, this boogeyman of a inquisition, you know, still obtains as if the church in her hierarchy has, you know, real power to throw people in gulags and put thumbscrews to them and, you know, these all these horrific medieval images. But <laughs> and it's just stuff that a, never happened the first time around. It was exactly. the Protestants that did that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But just to, just to situate it a little bit factually, um, the bishop, you know, per canon law, and this is the 1983 code, so that we're not even, you know, referring back to the 17 code or any of the other sort of um, uh, collections of canons that had been uh, in force in the church uh, prior to, to the codification of these, of these uh, laws. We're talking about the 1983 code, wherein the bishop's duty, the bishop of a local diocese, it's his duty uh, to ensure that institutions that call themselves Catholic have uh, are authentically so, mm-hmm. and he can he can pull that designation from those institutions that are not uh, consistent or acting integrity with the faith. And there's a little wrinkle in that the Jesuits are a public juridical person, you know, approved by Rome unto themselves, but they still, in terms of uh, it's in their institutions, in terms of their. Um, uh, uh, offering of the sacrament under the local bishop. So he has authority in these matters, not to run the school, but to make an evaluation whether or not the school is Catholic and whether or not the uh, sacraments can, in effect, be offered, etc. Um, so in this case, the bishop is just utilizing the authority already in place for him. The situation that arose, the uh, teacher... Um, who is a homosexual, um, decided to wait, wait, make wait, a public... Let me, pa- let me pause you there real quick, because I think yep, that's yep, one sure. of the things that comes up in, I think the news, you know, it's we can get way off into the woods with McLuhan and Father Hardin saying that all of the media is engaged in a Luciferian conspiracy against truth. Mm-hmm. I think it really plays out in some of this topic today where when we're talking about, I mean, when it comes against the, the cardinal sins, uh, when we say somebody's a homosexual, we're talking about somebody that is advocating carnal sins uh, and those who, as, as if they're okay. Right, right, correct. Okay, so I just want to get that part yep. clear. That, no, that's a, that's a great distinction. If there is a, you know, let's, let's, Let's suggest there is a teacher at a Catholic school with homosexual inclination, uh, personally is struggling with that, personally um, receiving the sacraments, um, and not, you know, this is a, a personal cross for many, mm-hmm. and not publicly advocating normalization of that, or not publicly advocating policies or uh, engaging in secular demonstrations or political demonstrations, i.e. Pride Month or any of its incarnations, right? That's one thing, you know? I'm sure there are homosexual teachers, homosexual persons who are trying to live chastely, perhaps they fall, um, who very well may be teaching in Catholic schools. That's not the issue. The issue is this individual making public his disordered inclinations and further than that, making a public act in a, in a so-called marriage mm-hmm. with another. Mm-hmm. So the issue is, just like any law, you're a lawyer, you know this, any law uh, deals with what uh, is public or knowable. 
for those for the internal aura, you know that 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 is where divine law comes in and uh, is dealt with by Almighty God. You know sins that are beyond the reach of the public. But this was a very public thing. That is why the bishop took action. Right. Uh, and and he gave time. He informed the administration. He uh, you know wanted a course correction in terms of this is not acting with integrity in terms of calling yourself a Catholic institution. And he didn't mandate the firing of this guy, but obviously that's the practical effect would be a non-renewal given his very public witness, contrary to everything that St. Ignatius stood for, the Society of Jesus should stand for, and the teaching of the Church. So when that didn't occur, when he was not removed, uh, the bishop informed the Jesuit superiors this was the action that was going to be taken. Jesuit superiors then are trying to turn this into, in, by meddling in the internal governance or employment of the of the high school. Yeah, see, that's which the is part nonsense. that gets me. Okay, okay. That's a nonsense. Yeah, so that's the long and short of the whole, of the whole uh, thing. Now, to your question about what do parents expect, you know, <laughs> in my experience, uh, I, you know, I went to Ignatius in the early 90s, so I'm a uh, you and I overlapped, I think, by a year or something to that yeah. effect, ultimately, in terms of our high school experience. It wasn't as pronounced in at Ignatius at the time, kind of an advocacy for the... Uh, it was, I think, fair, fair enough to say, um, probably more orthodox than St. X in terms of a theology department. Oh, and just come kind on. Of the, I learned that Carol King's You've Got a Friend is a good communion song. And I've also (laughs) learned that if if I wanted to uh, uh, really, really have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's done by laying on the floor and visualizing (laughs) myself traveling in space to meet him on a beach somewhere. And you do that through controlled breathing. And that's, that's good theology, right? I thought I thought he looked more like a millennial with kind of a plaid shirt and work boots or something like that. But well, anyway, neither here nor there. He's brewing you know. his own beer, right? You know, his own <laughs> beer label. And hey, there's some good guys who do brew brew very good beer, incidentally. But <laughs> in any event, we didn't have that type of um, advocacy. Now, to be sure, you know, Jesuit schools, just by virtue of the excellence of their education over the years and and the people you know leaders that they have turned out in the country um uh, and this is true across the world i mean they're just master school masters for lack of a better term and with that comes the temptations to power temptations to riches temptations to the zeitgeist and i think that's what happened here so um it, with with parents are parents coming to these schools jesuit schools in particular because they want rock solid theology, some might. Mm-hmm. And I, I would dare say I don't know all the inner workings of all the schools. I can speak from my experience. I can speak to friends that you and I have who teach in these places. But I, but I think there's a certain amount of um, prestige, secular prestige, or worldly prestige, prestige that goes along with attending a Jesuit school versus a diocesan school, one of the other order schools, uh, et cetera, because of the impact they have made, because of the uh, academic prowess that they have. Sure. Now, you and I can get into a different discussion about whether that's truly academic prowess or merely parroting the secular model, you know, but the Jesuits traditionally have had a coherence of philosophy in their education that was the rival of the Catholic world. Yes. So with, with parents... All of that is to say, to your original question, our parents, what are they expecting, you know, these sorts of things? I think there is a significant change in the last 15, 20 years of parents' expectations and generational expectations with regard to sending their kids to the church. When, when you and I were growing up, our parents is unthought unth- un- un- of that we would not go to a Catholic school because right. of our commitment to the church. Um, and... Nowadays, I don't think that commitment is still there. If you look at the follow-up media on this issue, there was a parent meeting at Brebuff, and by indications—now, again, we have to take these, you know, the media with a grain of salt, you know, 
uh, given their own proclivities and where they have aligned with the culture war. But it seems like there's just kind of an overall, hey, it's not such a big deal. You know, we should be welcoming everyone. We need oh. to go to the margins, like Pope Francis says. And why is this such a big deal? See how did and that's a that holy, part? holy emotional lack of intellectual integrity, and uh, on its face, you know, forget theology for a second. Mm-hmm. Just think of truth in advertising. <laughs> you know, yeah. acting with integrity. Um, we wouldn't dare suggest. Um, that a Muslim school or a Jewish school or an Anglican school um, deviate from the tenets of their faith and make a big row about it. But somehow Catholics have to fold or a legitimate action to ensure quality, because that's what the bishop is doing here, is ensuring quality control mm-hmm. um, occurs. You know, that, that, why, why is it Catholics who have to bend on this. So unfortunately, I don't think parents, not all parents uh, in the current day and age are as concerned as perhaps our parents would have been or previous generations. I think there are some. um, I don't think they're in substantial numbers. If they were, if there were, I think the pressures that would come to bear upon the, the Jesuit school would be such that they would course correct see and that gets into i i mean how prescient you know the quays and the father hardens were father harden just had a a penchant and he i mean a a few people he would ever say that he just you could just tell he just hated but john dewey and john dewey's legacy was one of them and and even just the spite that would come out father hardens he would say john dewey (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know what? I've come to appreciate with Father, why Father Harden. Dewey was the one that kind of switched people's. He, he did a shell game when it comes to what we think of religion, you know. And 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 I keep trying to state it in the terms where we should believe it: that religion is the worship of God who has revealed Himself to us, and the discovery of God's revelation of Himself to us. Right. Dewey switched it in kind of. We can call this, it's part secularism, it's part this, gets into this issue you were talking about where expectations have fallen. Now it's more religion is your heartfelt, sincere beliefs. Yep, exactly. And those are very subjective because you and I can go look up, what did God say about this type of behavior? Right. And we we know what God expects. And everybody can agree, did God say that? And yeah, this is what it means. Right, but the problem today is everybody's like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe they are born that way, and they really believe this is a good thing." And how could God look poorly on that? Right, but God doesn't use this Dewey standard. That's exactly right, and I think you're you're very prescient to bring up Harden on this point. He, you know, good Jesuit that he was in the finest academic traditions of the order diagnosed this stuff in the early 50s. So this was before it was even um, making the rounds in Catholic ed, before it really even affected um, some of the schools as they have today. Um, So he he was very much on on top of that. The whole notion of religion as a virtue, even uh, the whole notion of religion as its true definition, the way the church has always taught about it and continues to teach about it officially, at least, um, is completely lost. And I think it's not inappropriate or it's not, you know, it, it seems like, and you, you're a better theologian than I on this, it seems like the devil always wants to reveal himself. He always wants to, he, he's so haughty as to want to identify himself oh, yeah. in any of his movements. Um, and so, you know, when you when you look at this absolute crazy world in which uh, we think we can make our own reality, you know, that, and <laughs> it's been adopted. Uh, it's not, it's not, um, I guess, unusual that the moniker chosen for this whole movement is pride. Yeah, yeah. The chief of the deadly sins. Well, we were playing and, with that on Twitter earlier in the month. Yeah. yeah. Celebrate and, humility. Uh, That's the, the virtue it's play instead of pride. And hence, Hence the redefinition of religion. 
Yeah. Where in the tradition is it, well, it's what I sincerely believe. No, that comes from secular, heck, that comes from secular legal language from the Supreme Court decision. Right. <laughs> you know, deeply held beliefs. I mean, at least that's what rings in my mind. I know it comes from other places. But but, um, but the, the Catholic faith is not, it is something revealed. It is a gift. It is something that is meditated upon and given explication through humble prayer. And the humility to accept it is what is lacking here. Mm-hmm. Father Chizik, the other great Jesuit of our, our, our servant of God and hero of both of ours, um, said that, you know, that churches, he wrote this in the 60s after Vatican II, when things were going kind of crazy and people are looking to him for some reassurance. He said, it is only in the spirit of humble prayer that we can truly understand, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. what God's will is in all of this. Um, because if, if we don't have that, then chaos is going to reign. I think that's exactly what's going on here. Look at how the Jesuits are, are turning this. Oh yeah, it's an employment issue. We will, <laughs> you know, we will, we will appeal this through canonical and other legal channels. It, what are you talking about? The very fundamentals of the faith are at stake here in terms of consistency and integrity. Yes, here's a person who, again, is key to understand this. Made of his own accord a public declaration of being against Christ in his church is he made it public. It's not even, it's not even as if he were a teacher there um, and keeping his own views private or even his own activities private and, you know, locking his door at night and (laughs) engaging in this type of conduct, which would not be discernible by any sort of public authority. And isn't that Um, the way they always, you know, the reaction of this always happens. It's the same with abortion. The immediate reaction is, Oh, you're just getting into our bedroom and, and and trying to unravel our private affairs. And it's like, no, wait a minute. No, you told everyone. Right. Right. You're telling everybody and you're telling them it's a good thing and they should do it too. Yeah. So so what what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> That's my question to Father Paulson, the superior the uh the uh, the provincial, Father Verbreck, the the uh president of Brebuff. What do you guys expect, honestly? Let me, you know, and, and you know, to the, the, to the James like to Martins of the world, to the Father James Martins of the world, who give a laundry list on his Twitter feed of, oh, well, yeah. I guess we have to get rid of people who do this. Well, you know what? If they publicly disparage our Blessed Mother, yeah, there's probably a case to be made. Maybe this isn't the place for you. If they publicly disparage the Church's teaching, if they take public stands and or articulate themselves in such a way— Mm-hmm. that they are setting themselves against Christ and his church, a case can be made for removal. Right. <laughs> just, I mean, I can't imagine anyone in the homosexual movement who says, you know what, I think uh, therapy to bring me back to being a heterosexual, I think those people would be out of that movement immediately because the reigning orthodoxy would not allow it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if that's okay for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <know>. <laughs> Well, so I don't know if I made myself clear on that, but anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people can always hit that back button on the podcast and re-listen again to hear the coded message. There. <laughs> yeah, right. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, I mean, this is just about integrity and truth and advertising. Mm-hmm. Come on. So anyway. Well, it's, and you know, it's funny because, uh, okay, let's, let's, Father Chizik is a perfect example and, and. I'm going to get to him in a second, but I want to point out, and I've been, I've been thinking about it while you were bringing it up, like, what if this teacher was uh, a bank robber or, no, let's take robbery out of it because that's a violent crime and people still think that's bad sometimes. What if he was a good at embezzling cash online? And he thought right. this was a way for people to make a living wage. And he started teaching everybody how to embezzle cash as a way to earn a living wage. Right. What would the reaction to that be? You know, oh, that's his heartfelt belief. He thinks that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. What was the guy, uh, that, the, a couple of years back, the, uh, the investment manager in New York that they threw under the bus and made a public spectacle of, uh, oh, I can't remember now. That's how fast the news moves. But it was like three years ago. You know, and everybody's like, well, he swindled the, all these people's money. And, uh, you know, you, you start hearing 
and they, they, he's in jail and, you know, they talked about how they're going to make reparations to these people that invested their life funds to him and stuff. And his statement was, well, I just did what Wall Street does. Yeah. You know, and it's, you kind of sit there and you're like, well, does that make it everybody okay? else because is doing it? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that argument never worked as a kid either. I tried it on a, several things and it's just, of never, course. yeah. <laughs> And isn't that what, isn't that kind of what Adam's excuse to our Lord was? Well, she did. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll deal with her in a minute for right now. You need to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But that's kind of this, this shift in, you know, we've mentioned secularism and, and, and bringing up Chiswick. Father Chiswick, as everybody knows, was, had been in the gulags. He faced the secular state at its, most openly brutal face. We have a secular state that does the same thing, but our gulags are a little bit different. We, you know, if we've got the Fabian uh, model at play here, where you're sort of tarred and feathered in the social sphere until you learn right. how to come out and apologize that you said something against the party line. Right, right. And you might be welcome back in, but if you make these, you know, they call it virtue signaling or whatever, but if you kind of make reparations to the secular state that no, these things are okay. And you really are behind pride month and maybe change your corporate logo for the month and do these things that you're in the, you're in the, you're in good graces and you deserve to be supported. Sort of like the gulags would be, you're brainwashed. You know, that would be an attempt in the gulag is to get somebody like father Chizik to, Bend on the faith in order to satisfy the state. Right, right. So the tactics are not as open here, but the same social pressure, the same pressure on the individual exists where you're meant to conform your thoughts to the party line. Right. And the threat here isn't that you're going to be in Siberia. The threat here is we're just going to make you uh, irrelevant. Right, right. Even in the Soviet sphere, during those years of his imprisonment, and then when he got out and had limited freedom, um, his descriptions of this, um, and our listeners can, maybe we should link to this, actually. Georgetown University has um, these initial interviews that were the basis for With God in Russia. Mm. Fascinating listen. They're online. Okay. Um, But even when he describes the state of religion in Russia— the communists were smart, you know, there's the initial bloodbaths and whatever else and, and Stalin, but, you know, in, during the period of de-Stalinization under Khrushchev, they took a different approach. You're far more, hey, you know what, religion is just, <laughs> you're not smart. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Doug, it's not being intelligent. You're, you know, you're, you're not modern. You're not sufficiently scientific. You're not you know, and this this ties that this is the whole Dewey project. This is the whole Gramsci project in terms of the long march through the institutions, through you know, and, and sowing seeds of doubt and questioning the ability of reason to uh, to understand the supernatural or de- to deny the supernatural altogether. It's it was kind of a very similar thing uh, during this period of. Uh, less harshness over there, uh-huh. you know, for lack of a better term. So we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. I mean, when you see these clerics in particular, absolutely, um, and it's a misguided understanding of love. You know, I think some people are just not intellectually, they're just not intellectually coherent. You would think that a bishop of the Catholic Church would be. But the bishop of what is it, Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. I think, is is certainly a. Um, I believe he's a Franciscan. I think he came out with a Pride Month prayer or some such. He thing. did, and actually, um, I played an awful joke on Sister Rita, who's been a guest on this podcast before recently, yeah. because our local ordinary Bishop Baker hit a seventy fifth birthday, and as you know, they have to put their their letter in and, resignation. Yep. So. You have Michael Sean Winters out there who is a speechwriter for Cardinal Supich had last right. year written a letter and said that one of the most important appointments, he, he named like three of them that would, that would be pending in the U.S., one of them would be Birmingham, Alabama, because that's where EWTN is. Correct. And so everybody kind of knows this is on, you know, 
there's things at play mm-hmm. and what's going to happen. It's almost how the political people watch the Supreme Court. That's what's been going on right. here. Right, right. So just read and it. And isn't that, isn't that indicative of what we've been talking about? I mean, the, of which the buff issue oh, yeah. the, um, is just but an example. This is a game what? people play in the terrestrial world. Yeah. They have no supernatural vision. So the success or failure of the church is governed by appointments and who would, you know, rather than cultivating relationship with, uh, with the saints and union with God. Um, notice I didn't say relationship with God because yeah. <laughs> we need something a little bigger, you know, but we do have to have a relationship with our blessed lady and the saints. And uh, the Jesuits nailed that. <laughs> you know, they did. St. Ignatius was such a profound psychologist, <laughs> you know, in terms of, teaching one how to pray and to know yourself with humility and to present yourself before God and so that you can know him and um, in uh, based upon your own foibles and, you know, strengths and everything else um, that they forgot all that to play this terrestrial game of one upsmanship and politics. Exactly. And, well, you know, and it's funny is, because Cindy's, I, uh, we got it up there yesterday Cindy has an article on the history of the Sacred Heart Devotion, the manifestation yeah. to Sister Mar- uh, Margaret Mary. And you see this priest that became uh, Paul Colombier, you know, and I, I like to make jokes. Mm-hmm. I don't do good with French, but, you know, that's Colombier, I think, Colombier, however his name is. He's one of the good guys. Colombier is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh because when you tie it together, this was one of, you see how he became a Jesuit central to, I mean, for, for, we have it on the website somewhere, I think seven things you didn't know about St. Ignatius, but St. Ignatius originally wanted to name the Society of Jesus after the Blessed Mother. She appeared to him, smacked him down and said, no, you name it for my son. Right, right. And so you see it central to the Jesuits is this devotion to our Lord and his love for us. And so a Jesuit becomes central to the revelation of the Sacred Heart devotion. That's right. That's right. This is what Jesuits ought to be. Yep. This is what they were founded exactly. to be, what they were made to be. This is their nature. Yep. So back to Stowe. So after Sunday Mass, I'm over there at Casa Maria, and, and, and Sister Rita and I are talking about, this was a few weeks ago, the upcoming, there's a Eucharistic Congress happening. And, and uh, just so everybody knows, Bishop Baker uh, recently just endeared himself to me yet another way when at the most recent conference, Bishop's Conference, he made a point. We've been talking about all this stuff now for some time, and I haven't heard anybody mention Jesus Christ by name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here's the Bishop's Conference, and here's Bishop Baker reminding them, hey, aren't we supposed to be looking to what our <laughs> Lord says? Exactly, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, and all of the different... So I, I naturally, we're talking about, well, you know, who do you think is going to get appointed? It's it's fun to some degree, you know, to, to make your mm-hmm. handicap list. And so I just totally, I got her goat. I said, I keep hearing Stowe. Yeah. It's the <laughs> one from Lexington. <laughs> that is a riot. That she just kind of, she just kind of looked at me like, you can't be serious. And I was like, I said, I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, for myself, because it was. Gave the, her a heart attack for a split <laughs> second there. <huh? laughs> well, I have, you know, if you can't have fun with some of these things, I mean, in, in reality, like you said, though, let's say it was him. Yeah. Who knows how God will challenge him in that spot? Right. Absolutely. And I still wonder for, for some of these other bad eggs walking around, I'm not going to name names on this part, but I still wonder with some of the things going on, we, we can't underestimate the St. Paul moment. Yep. That's exactly right. You know, prayers and prayers for these people. And, and, and this kind of gets into the the mess we have today, the frustration. You know, some people, I saw it starting last year where people are talking about, um, and I'm going to name a name here because I, I don't have much, you know, this uh, Benedict option, uh, Dreher. And, Dreher, yep. He's now uh, orthodox because he just couldn't handle what's going on. And, you know, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I can't separate that reaction from that of, I believe it was Cardinal Marx in Germany mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. said, Christianity is just too hard. 
Mm-hmm. And we need to make it easier for people in relation to Amoris Laetitiae. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's the same reaction. It's just people going to their own human powers. Right, exactly. To solve these problems instead of turning to what our Lord tells us, my grace is sufficient. Absolutely. And it's hard when you are um, have a particular struggle, right? Even oh, yeah. a personal struggle. Or are dispirited with regard to the situation in the church, which it seems like every day... <laughs> it just, yeah, it's like it's like water and, torture. No, it, it completely is. I think your I think your guy uh, your recipe for dealing with it being laughter and having fun with sister and 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 you know do, is absolutely essential. Oh yeah, you know Saint Saint Thomas More joked on the scaffold. Okay, um, people, Saint Lawrence on can, the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean. What is so essential, and you rightly have spoken of this in, in previous podcasts and, and in your articles, is that um, as we quote unquote fight the bad guys, got to pray for them. Yeah. We who the hell are we if we do not? And pardon my use of the vernacular, uh, if we do not pray for these people, you know, and we, that's we've one just of complete, the there's a there's an examination of conscience from Father Harden, and I'll tell you what I actually I actually this is. I'm going to put, I, 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 I generally don't like this when people do it, but I am going to put a personal struggle out there. It's yeah. hard for me to read part of it because it puts the, the, the challenge of charity that our Lord put in front of us that when he tells us to love our enemies, he's not saying, oh, you know, walk up to them and, you know, smooch them and be, and just go along with whatever they're saying. He's saying it doesn't matter how much you have distaste for that person. See right. them as somebody I'm trying to save. Exactly, exactly. Oh, sometimes in, I just oh, especially with some of these snakes in our in our uh, in in the church in the hierarchy today. I, yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely true, and it, but it's essential, and we lose our own souls if we don't do that. I think you know laughter at our situation um, and and fidelity within it. You know, laughter can be a way to just kind of lighten things up because guess what? This isn't our permanent home. That's true. And so, you know, and so laughter, lighten it up, but also genuine desire. And sometimes it's an act of the will to do this. And in fact, all the times to love is an act of the will. So every time it is to genuinely seek the salvation of these people's souls. And even if it's, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, nine times out of 10, it is not responding on Twitter to their asinine comments. It's rather <laughs> just pausing and praying for them, you know, and just, and praying for your own patience to endure, but also, you know, just to, um, I catch myself all the time. Um, but that's the temptation today, isn't it? Where you want yeah. to, you feel like, uh, uh, okay, let me find the blog post top 10 ways of, uh, of, 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 of quelling the, the, the urge to just scream about yeah, the problems yeah. in the church. Yep, it's, exactly. It's it's not going to be you know through yoga and meditation that you do it. It's yeah. not going to be through some psychological tip of rebranding the way you look at these things. That's the brainwashing of the communists. That's right. It's going to be from going to our Lord and saying, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible." Yeah, it's a it's a spur to rattle the beads. It's a spur to rely on him because he will see us through it and and appeal to the saints and the. Our blessed lady, mm-hmm. but I think that is just absolutely so important. Father Chiswick had a line, which is a great line in terms of talking about bad people, right? Yeah, yeah. whatever type, you know, politics, this, that, the other, um, church issues. Um, how can you hate what God loves? Oh. Oh. <laughs> kind of hits you, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and it, it's it's very convicting, and um, and I think you know as as is playing out with the whole national politics at the federal level, there is such a spirit of rancor. I mean, just outright hatred. If you do not believe what the smart guys tell you to believe, you are just. I mean, you're worse than dirt. You are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that is, that's dangerous. You know, that, I, 
I mean, it results in, it re- truly does result in a gulag, a physical gulag. Oh, or yeah. Death, well, and know? I have friends so, for a variety of reasons. I've seen them through the years, and there's a, a very large corporation that I had a lot of friends working for. And it's kind of well known when you kind of get to your mid 40s, uh, late 40s, if you haven't bought into yep. the theology of the upper execs, you kind of hit this point where everybody at this corporation, you know, at some point they become a vice president and they kind of stay at that title for like 10 years. Right. Right. And it's the idea that, you know, they never kowtowed to what the upper office wanted and it's time to move on. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And I was kind of laugh because, you know, they do well enough when they're there. A lot of them, turn into entrepreneurs or business people of other types. And, you know, that's kind of the way they describe it secularly is, well, that's the way we keep our management fresh. But when you see enough people doing it, you start to realize, well, who stayed? Right, right. Gee, why does that guy have, you know, pride flags and stuff now? Right, right. Why does, you know, why do they, why are they into these other behaviors or why are they members of these different groups? It's, oh, that's how you get to the upper echelon of that corporation. That's right. That's right. And I mean, you see it. No, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody because you see it with June now. I mean, you know, AT&T paying for ads on social media so that you could watch their uh, celebrate pride, whatever. <laughs> or, you know, all of these other. And, you know, I see it in the ads that are targeted to me online where all of a sudden what who's these people because you can't even recognize them because their logo is a rainbow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I told my, my bride the other day, I said, come on, I just want to eat a pizza. Yeah. Do I have to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, really, you have to sell me a pizza with, you know, your stamp of approval that you're, you know, whatever that, you know, friend, you gay or friendly or something. I'm like, really? I mean, come on, come on. Well, <laughs> you know? I, I so, mean, you know, I, I are you going to do that with other issues too? You know, I mean, you know, well, I, I, I kind of laugh because yeah. an old joke in the church has been that, that scandals in the West are sex and scandals in the East are money. Right. Right. And so, you know, in the Orthodox church, you always find out about some priest that was collecting funds to build a church that absconded the funds and nobody can find them. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. that's the big scandal over there or, or scandals right. where, some member of the hierarchy alienated property that's like, you know, been in the church for like 1800 years. Right. Right. And nobody knows where the funds went. Right. Exactly. In the West. Well, we, we don't need a, a retelling of all the scandals we deal with, but you know, they're, they're all sexually related. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I kind of laugh because it's kind of true with the corporations too. I mean, imagine a corporation that, 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 that said July is, uh, embezzlement free pride yeah right we're sure that our our corporation that none of our officers are stealing from us and none of it it's just funny to me because we already expect them to be that way they're not (laughs) but they don't they don't like wear that badge on their shoulder right right exactly you know, and I guess the big thing in the in the oh, we're transparent. You know, that's I like that the transparency thing. And then you dig yeah. a little bit deeper, and you find out, oh no, 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 half of that stuff is not transparent anyway. Right, right, yeah. Um, but getting back to kind of rewinding to what we're talking about with Chiswick and the Gulag and the open system, and a few years back, uh. Every once in a while, coast to coast has been disappointing to me anymore. But it, it, recently, because they're too much into all this weird occult stuff. But yeah, yeah, some of the authors that would come up through the years, like when John B. Wells was back on there, others, there's they have interesting, you know. And I've posted speculation that goes on before, and I thought one of those points that turned out to be very prescient was Catherine Austin Fitz, who used to be um, in the Reagan administration. She knows things about government economies and things like that. Right. She had come out at one point and was talking about how the Obama administration in, in connection with others uh, and, and the Obama administration, there's stuff coming out about the ties to the Weatherman group, 
which are ties to international, the communists and international and mm-hmm. Marxist, how they used what's called the swift payment clearing system to basically extort Ratzinger. And, and, or I should say Pope Benedict, that mm-hmm. all of this, it's not the only way that this happened, but what the theory worked was the U.S. shut off the swift payment clearing for the Vatican for a day. Mm-hmm. Which meant that the and they tried to do it at a point where the Vatican would be unable to operate because it would be unable to move funds the way it needed for the cash flow. It's an interesting theory. It gets really into the woods, and people that understand finance, like her, can describe it in a way it's better. I hear it, and I'm like, I trust this expert's opinion. Right. What does it mean? So I right. posted a, a a point about what this means for the Vatican is. They would look for how do we prevent that from happening again? Mm-hmm. One of the only options that's out there is how China and Russia were dealing with it and creating this other uh, payment clearing system, the BRICS system. Okay. And, and uh, so that's like three years old now, this post that said, hey, the Vatican's working and the biggest one they're dealing with in this BRICS system, Russia, Brazil, China, India, uh, is China's demands on the Vatican. Yeah. And so what was at play is if the Vatican wanted a way that they wouldn't be under operational pressure from politics due to the reliance on swift payment clearing, they would have to try to join BRICS. And the only way they're okay. going to get into BRICS based on Chinese demands is, well, we have this issue with the bishops. Interesting. Okay. And so we know how that played out. Last year, right. uh, the Vatican basically ceded to Chinese demands. And since then, uh, whether or not and, – and I've got things on going back about what Cardinal Zen would say about this and what it meant. And since then – not so much in, in major media, but it has been reported that China has been clamping down on what they what they call underground churches, trying right. to, you know, and, and they are violent about it. Yeah, yeah. Unlike here, where, okay, uh, maybe your bank card doesn't work, although they're using those systems too. They have this social scoring thing. Right. Um, they're just literally doing what communists do is they're making examples of the first round in order to encourage people that no, your life is now in the state church. Right. What that means for bishops like Cardinal Zen and others, and you brought others up is that that they're now unlike, now we see a failure in the school, in the Jesuits that run the school in Indianapolis to deal with secular pressure that came from just some people in the news and how, and you see them contorting their reasoning. This is just an employment issue in order to defend. We need to keep the devil at the table happy and try to stay with God and run our school. And notice I'm giving a charitable statement to them. Sure. By saying, no, right. Yep. That's the whole idea of you can't please God and the devil at the same time. Yep. And some of these yep. secular demands are the devil. Well, in China, the point is, um, yeah, you can call yourself Catholic as long as it's this brand of Catholicism we give you. That's and, exactly right. We will define what it means to be Catholic yeah. in, these, in these borders, right? Yeah, and we're going to tell you who your bishops are. And Yep, yep. This isn't the first time that, that the state's done this because you brought up Russia, and this is what Father Chizik yep. observed when he was there. And Father Chizik went in to some degree um, – Knowing that, you know, this is a land dominated by the Russian Orthodox Church. I mean, that's why he wanted to go, among other things. Right. But it's different. I think people, you know, Catholics can separate it in their mind. They'll be like, well, you know, the Russian Orthodox are schismatics anyway, and they got what's coming to them. Okay. But when you bring it into China, and it's the same church, it's the Catholic Church, it starts to... I think even it gets past those mental filters that people can put on where I don't need to pay right. attention to this. You know, and I'm looking right at the story of uh, 
I happened to have an image that was blessed by Cardinal Zen. It has a message in Chinese written by Cardinal Zen sitting right in my view. Uh, it's Our Lady of Peking, and I've mentioned her before. Yeah. But during the Boxer Rebellion, just for to refresh for people, I didn't know this until I asked Our Lady for an image of her for this space in my dining room. And this is what came to me providentially within the week. Um, and I started to research this image, and I find out that during the Boxer Rebellion, people took refuge before her image in the cathedral in Peking. And she had been uh, made the basically the Empress of China. You know, just right. like Poland has Our Lady Częstochowa, Queen of Poland, and so on and so forth. She is the, that's the image that recognizes Our Lady as Queen of China. Empress of China. Yep. People had taken refuge there, and the soldiers were attacking the church, just as they're doing today by ordering the destruction of church steeples in these people's parishes. Right. Three days they have, and they're praying for three days. The soldiers are outside firing guns. There's clearly warfare going on right outside the door. The soldiers eventually breach the church and come in. You got to, I mean, I can't imagine. Can you imagine what those people were thinking? They're like, oh, we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see the image of Our Lady fall to the floor, ask the people inside, where is she that we might honor her? Her and her army have been fighting us for three days on the roof of the church. No kidding. Can you imagine what that would be like? I'd be like, whoa. Once again, it goes back to humility. It goes back to the Magnificat. He has thrust the mighty from their thrones, yeah. right? Um, exalted his his lowly one, you know. And I, I mean, so that uh, it all comes back to this. I think you know, Our Lady nailed it in the Magnificat. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I mean, you could go right there. Um, you could also go to with all of these things. The, the, uh, it's all what Augustine said: libido dominandi. Right. Mm -hmm. The prince of this world wants to dominate. He wants to dominate and control. And you see it in politics. You see it in this uh, gay, lesbian, transgender movement. You see it in finance. Witness the the things you brought up, the theory on on the Vatican thing. Oh, yeah. Um, You see it, you know, money, power, sex. And it all comes down to power, ultimately. People, uh, people wishing to dominate others and play God. Yes, I mean that's the summary of our whole conversation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's and true. So it is, and and the thing is, this stuff has been figured out by the church and is known by the church, and we have the ways to deal with it by the church. But we think we're so smart, and it all goes back to pride again, and so. As pride has kept the world under its thumb for the last, for since the beginning, since the fall, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, so too it will until uh, the final consummation when our Lord comes again. But there are ways to get out from under pride. <laughs> that is humility. Yeah. And it is what the church has always taught, what Our Lady teaches, and what the great Jesuits we brought up today have always said. What do you think? There, I just summarized uh, the last 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we still have the other end of, I want to, I would, and, and, and Chiswick did this and Father Harden did this. And I think this is kind of really the bridge for, to kind of put it on a, on a large scale. Uh, I like to throw, you know, there's these alternate history novels that go out and, uh, right. Poles are particularly, I haven't met Poles that aren't into some of this. They like to, how would history be different had this happened? Yes, 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 yes. And so there's whole fiction novels and whole sets that are dealing with this. But I think there's a couple places, and I love throwing this this wrench out, because it totally interferes with uh, this idea of secularism and political power versus those of heaven. But I like to say that Poland picked the wrong ally when it comes to the uh, uh, the Franco-Russian War. Mm-hmm. And people immediately think that I think they should have sided with Russia. But I say, no, 
They should have said, France, we don't need you. Napoleon, you're not coming over our land. This land belongs to the Blessed Mother. Right, right. That ally, that champion, that military leader. I mean, Poland was consecrated to Our Lady, right? Exactly. How different would the yeah, rollout? Yeah. Because Napoleon would have been like, what? You know, and he maybe he would have had to go a different way. Maybe he would have done other things. Maybe Russia would have been like, hey, we don't like those guys. They're our bitter enemies. But, you know, anybody that's a friend of the Theotokos, we'll leave alone. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's amazing to think of how that would have galvanized the people, too, especially in that era when religion still means – and it still does in Poland, thanks be to God. Poland is hungry at the two last bastions on earth. But um, Yeah. But – um. But it means something to them. And uh, when, you know, Russia was at that point before it was de- decimated by the communists, um, uh, you're absolutely right. How, how fascinating that would be. Well, and, you know, you get into a million other ramifications. Like you almost wonder for the partitions of Poland, if our Lord said, well, okay, you find your safety in these men, you thought you find your safety in Napoleon. Now let me show you what men of the world do with things. Boom, Poland's off the map. It's split up as spoils of war. Right. The spoils of the empire. We don't want that in our own lives. Right. And I think that's kind of an example of all this. Imagine if the Jesuits that were at that school said, our bishop has asked this school to do this. And in order to keep the school pleasing to our blessed lady, just said, we're not going to let this guy talk about this issue anymore. He's wrong because God says he's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how would that, that would have been totally different, right? No, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a failure of um, catechesis as well anyway, right? Right. I mean, ideally there would have been, to bring it full circle, this notion that, hmm, I'm a person who is diametrically opposed to the church you know, I don't know his soul, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe he is a true story. But uh, certainly, there should have been a culture, a, a atmosphere, an understanding that I am in a place dedicated to Christ and His Church and His gospel, mm-hmm. and I am uh, promoting things, living things at variance with that. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to distinguish, like we did earlier against struggles, you know, regular everyday sin <laughs> people, you know, fall into sexual sin even, yeah. you know? Um, but this was a public stand against everything that school stands for. Right. And it's a public stand against John de Brebeuf who paid with his blood to do that, to, that- to bring the gospel here that and that and you know the last podcast episode i brought that up that's what drives me crazy yeah the traditions of the church you know chesterton brings it up it's the voice of the dead now when we look at it in the world they're dead but a saint like brabouf he's living yeah. he is in yep, our lord absolutely. jesus christ he's living yep he's not an ash of the past exactly exactly and I, that's why I hate that statement about oh people bitterly clinging to ashes of the past. What does that even mean? If you yeah. if you see the world with this context, and this is what we're getting at, these yeah. problems, these storms in the world. If Poland would have said, "No, we belong to Our Lady; she'll take care of us," that's just right. like that's those right. Chinese people who, in the face of these attacks, took refuge before her, just yep. like each of us. I'm assuming most listeners to this podcast have consecrated themselves to the Blessed Mother. If they haven't, you'll find plenty on our website about how to do that. Uh, yep. Or just drop it in the contact box. Ask me. I'll send you everything you need because you need to do this, especially today. Yeah, absolutely. 
with all these storms going on, our refuge isn't leaving and going to the Orthodox. Our refuge isn't like the the deal with the devil. Like the you know, I hate to say it, but that's what that is. Mm-hmm. We're gonna okay. The devil, when he means de- domination control, like you brought up earlier, he doesn't mean I need everything. He's like, well, just don't say this is bad, and I'll leave you be. Exactly. Yep. But then he comes back to the table like a mob boss two weeks later and says, well, I need you to do this too. That's exactly right. And then I need you to do this. And before you know it, you're his. Yep. It's the same thing that happens in our personal lives. Oh, you're running five minutes late. Boss is mad. Oh, well, come up with a lie just to get him off your back. Right. Maybe later in the day, somebody else says, were you really, you know, running late this morning? Well, okay, I have to keep going. It happens. That's how the devil works with these institutions, how he works with us. That's how he works through the power of the state. Unless we take the the, the approach that, no, I belong to the Blessed Mother. She's my ally in this. She'll see me through it. Yep. That's how our Jesuits should have dealt with it in Indianapolis. That's my personal opinion. We're still allowed to state our personal opinions. Of course, of yeah. course. And I, you know, I, I think maybe this action by the Archbishop of Indianapolis, too, courageous one in this current climate. Oh, yeah. Um, will be an occasion for an examination of conscience for those guys. I hope so. And, you know, my prayer is that, you know, through St. Ignatius, through St. John de Brebeuf and the North American martyrs, is that the Midwest province of the Society of Jesus uh, takes a look at that and just says, wow. It took something like this for us to really recalibrate and really examine ourselves. We've just been going along to get along for so many years and fat and happy with our endowments and everything else. What are we teaching the kids? What are what kind of example are we giving the boys um, in, as to how to act as Christians in the world? Are we equipping them or are we just providing them such contradictory images and and messages that they don't know what it means to be a follower of christ wow well when you think that the eucharist is just a symbol of community maybe that's you know but our lady can fix some of that too yep absolutely we got to put it on her she's she is the uh you're absolutely right she is the general of generals i don't know if there's a a, uh I don't know if there is an appellation in the litany of Loretto that comes close to that or, or in some other uh, tradition, you know, of uh, either the Poles or the Chinese that uh, give her imperatoric well, imperatorum or something like that. In the know, Byzantium, so. no, there is. Actually, in Byzantium, and it has to do with a, with a storm, a staged attack on, on uh, Athos, and uh, they had taken— Oh, is that right? No kidding. It, yeah, it, it's just like Lepanto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Except, that's fantastic. So, the, the monks take the refuge and they, they place the icon of Our Lady. It's, like, it's just like uh, uh, Maka Ostabromska, which I bring up on there, where, where Marshall had given up smoking for a day and it kept the communists from getting through the gate of the dawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something happens like this at Mount Athos, and, and, and there's this staged attack. The monks take uh, refuge in front of the Panagia Pantanasa, and something happens with the icon. I don't even remember how the miracle occurs, but they, they never even right. get past this point. Right, right, right. And so the monks in Thanksgiving to come up with what is known as the Akathist hymn, which is yes, yes, yes. in Greek just means uh, uh, not sitting. So you right. you do this prayer while you're standing. And of course, in true chant fashion from uh, monast- Eastern monasteries, it's like, you know, it's, if you do the whole thing, it's going to be several hours of chanting. Right. No, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But one of the takeouts from it is this is this uh, appellation of Our Lady as triumphant leader, or you'll yes, hear other yes, words, perfect. triumphant champion. Yes, that's that's perfect. You know, and we get the we get the same sense. That it's that reliance on the Blessed Mother, just like the Pope had at Lepanto. She's not going to let us down. That's exactly right. And I think that's the answer to all these things that want to, the devil, you know, tries to get a piece of your flesh through all these scandals today in order to drag you away from her. That's right. I don't know if we could get a better conclusion than that, John. I yeah. think that's, I think that says it all right there. <laughs> Maybe we should let's call continue, this an episode. Let's continue it. We need to continue it. 
We will. And talk about some of these. I, I would really like to talk about these uh, images of Our Lady and the various devotions sure. uh, that are, that, you know, basically um, uh, uh, inspires the faithful to be faithful. I think that's a welcome addition to the next podcast. Nice. We'll as well it. as our insightful and incisive analysis, such as we have done. Yes. <laughs> as can be found hardly anywhere else today. That's right. <laughs> and the only reason we can make that statement is because these Jesuits we admire who did it so much better than us have now gone to the next life. That's right. Ah, okay, let's go out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Peking, Empress of China, pray for us. Pray for us. You have been listening to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast, Episode 14, with John Dijak and John Manos. I'm your show host, John B. Manos, President of the Bellarmine Forum, and John Dijak, Vice President of the Bellarmine Forum, have been here. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say a rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website, bellarmineforum.org, or call us. This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II with a, as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again to glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. The show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2019 to the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother.